Welcome to Running is Bullshit. I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. It's episode 85, and this time we're talking about ultras, insects, rip-offs, and children. But first, uh, something to complain about, Saturday races. Saturday races are bullshit. Um, I know Nicola and Daniel with me now have been saying this recently, because it happens with ultras all the time, because you do it on a Saturday to give you Sunday to recover, to go back to work on Monday. Uh, but I completely agree, Saturday mornings, there should be a protected space for park run and park run only. It's a bit like how football can't be shown on TV between 3 and 5 p.m. in the UK to protect stadium attendances. I think all races before midday on Saturday should be banned. I know Amy's going to give me shit about this because she doesn't care, but I know you're all out there nodding your heads with me. Uh, <laughs> well, I think this is preposterous. People aren't running races every week for a start, so you can still do your park runs in between if they run your little 5Ks. But those of us who are doing proper runs, proper races, because park run isn't a race, remember? It's just a little run. That's you. Little run through park. But us doing proper races, like doing our ultras, I need that Sunday. I need that not only do I need that Sunday to recover, like Mate, you better believe I'm booking Monday and Tuesday off work too. I need a full Just three days. Just book those off work. Book Wednesday no, off as well if, then. If I was doing it on Sunday, yeah, I'd have to... I'm eating another day into my annual leave. I need that Sunday. I need that Sunday to recover. There's nothing better than coming back from a race, knackered and thinking, oh, I don't have to worry about anything tomorrow because it's Sunday. I, I think this is a poll. This needs to be a poll on social media. Saturday races, yay or nay. Okay, fair enough. I just love, sorry, I just love how much you're into racing now all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... That's you. Parkrun happens every single week, okay? It doesn't matter. you got to miss it one day to do a race. That's fine. It doesn't matter. I think... And, and Sunday is the Lord's Day. You should all be in bloody church. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Just like you. And so that's Amy. Racing and the Lord. <laughs> yeah. That's me all over. That's that what, t-shirt. When I'm not racing on Saturdays, I'm at church on Sundays. You know, that's just how we do things around here. <laughs> anyway, so I've, I've got something that's annoying me this week as well. Good. I just want to say, failed runs are bullshit, mm-hmm. especially failed long runs. So last weekend, it was a Sunday actually, this was before I went to church. Okay. Um, last Sunday, I set out to do about 10 or 12 miles. I got up early, like really early, like early enough so I could have like a coffee and something to eat. So I wasn't going out on an empty stomach, but again, still early enough to make it to church. Uh, got all my gear on, had my pre-run toilet situation, which always lasts about half an hour. Not going into details, but it just does. Um, wow. I filled, yeah, I filled all my water bottles, got my tailwind and stuff, got Pippin ready because she was coming with me, you know, got her all sorted, had to make sure she, I had to drag her out of bed because Pippin isn't a morning dog. Yeah. So trying to get, get her out of bed before 8am at the very earliest is a nightmare. So I've got to get Pippin out of bed, get her fed. And then if I don't time it right, she'll be crying to go back into bed and wake Freya up. So I've got to make sure like I'm quickly sorting myself out while she's distracted eating. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Then I headed out the door and I didn't even make it a mile before my calves were just being like, nope, just cramping like crazy oh. to the point where it was not. And maybe they would have loosened up, but it just, I was at like 0.8 miles and I'd been in pain <laughs> the whole time. And I was like, this isn't happening. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm going home. Like, I, I walked. I didn't even run home. I was so disheartened. I walked home. Like I, I took the extra, like double the time to walk home. I just, I hate that. I hate, I'm out of bed. I'm out here at bloody 7am and I can't, like, the effort's already been put in. The the run's the easy bit and it just doesn't happen. I hate it. You spent longer in the toilet than you did outside. I did. I did. I did. 
half an hour. Yeah, no, Sorry, I'm, I'm just coming back to that. I can't. Yeah, it's, it's can't a whole thing. Anyway, like I have to make sure, as most runners, I have to make sure that my bowels are uh, almost empty. Not not completely empty. I mean, but um, pretty much empty before I go for a run. <laughs> Gotta save something just in case. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In case somebody attacks me, we'll just of course, yeah, yeah. the podcast. It's well established. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, but my bowels, you can't just tell yourself when to go. So there's a little bit of like. You know, um, it can be psychosomatic. If you're in the toilet for long enough, it'll be like, yeah, it's time to go. So, yeah, the whole toilet thing okay. usually takes about okay. half an hour. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I feel I'm focusing entirely on the wrong part of this, but yeah, okay. Well. <laughs> but yeah, I do agree, yeah. Uh, especially after that much prep. I mean, you're going out for a run and just like binning it off is one thing, but when it's all that prep. Yeah, if it's a long run, I think that's the worst. If it's like a shorter yeah. run, it's like, oh, okay, you know, you just throwing some clothes on and got out, but... Nah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's catch up on the last episode. And Gabby Nea has updated us on exactly what it means when she gets mansplained about being a pacer. She said, you did it. You asked about things women don't know about pacing. Pour a cup of Bourbon Blend's finest tea and sell in. Our first issue is about my watch and my Garmin. Will it always be the wrong one? And oh my goodness, what settings am I using for pacing? We then to get the discussion about even versus negative splits. And do I know there's a hill on X mile of the course? And how will I get up there laden down by my uterus? We're still within one mile of the race here. Uh, by mile two, you shake off the mansplainer because my pace is off, only to find they've overcooked it and bonk. All paces take huge care to run to that average pace. Not sure why women would be somehow less able to do that. I've paced for years and get this every time. And don't get me started on having to explain chip time and gun time to a mansplainer. Oh my god. Surely at the very least, you should know chip time and gun time. I mean, anyone that's doing a race should know that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. If you're at the point where you're trying to explain pacing to someone, you should know what a gun and a chip time is. Yeah, definitely. I just... I hate stuff like this, like, get out of my business. You know when you get to, like, a certain part of your life when you just want to say to people, fuck off and get out of my business? Yeah. That's it. Like, whatever they say, just be like... You're right there. Leave me alone. Uh, Don't even, like, justify any of it. Don't explain anything to it. Back to them. So, just leave me alone. Or just scream and shit yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Of course, of course. Uh, Well, thank you, Gabby, for the uh, Burden Blend tea mention there. We're going to have a quick tea break. And this week I am drinking a little bit of sticky chai. I'm not sure sticky is always an attractive word for Mm. selling things, Uh, but it is an amazing spicy black tea, which is always my favorite kind of tea. I love just a standard chai tea. Uh, But this one comes in a cute little jar and the tea and the spice mix has all been mixed up with honey. Not only to kind of give it loads of sweetness, but also helps preserve all the spices because like anything, they lose the flavor once they're chopped or ground over time. They get, you know, why you got shit spices in the back of your cupboard because they don't taste of anything anymore. So they bang in a load of honey, keeps all that flavor in. And they recommend it in a latte, which is amazing. Or you can just have it as just a straight black tea. I make it quite strong. Um, just for me, like the one teaspoon or the two teaspoons recommended wasn't enough. I like it a bit stronger than that. So if you get some, make it nice and strong. Mm, that does sound pretty amazing. I do like yeah. a chai latte. If I'm going like to a coffee shop or something, I usually have a chai mm-hmm. latte. So that sounds even better. I see. I won't get a chai latte from a coffee shop because they just use those shit syrups. Yeah, it, it depends. If you look behind the counter and if you see those syrups, don't get a chai latte because it's just mm-hmm. syrup and milk. It depends on the coffee shop. So yeah, Cadwald, Cadwalder's in the Bay does an amazing chai latte. I don't care if it's syrup or whatever. It just tastes really mm. good. Every other place, it's really hit or miss. But 
Obviously, Bird yeah. and Blend do the best chai for a chai latte, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I love a chai, especially with honey. And I've had one before with almond in as well. And that's really, really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds, yeah. I'm definitely going to have to pick some of that up, actually. That sounds really good. Yeah, what are you drinking? I am drinking. It's, again, from my... I, I, I've mentioned before I had the tea subscription. So I've got loads of random teas from different seasons because they tend mm-hmm. to be based around whatever season it is. So I've yep. got a Christmas tea and it's the peppermint hot cocoa. I was looking for something that didn't have caffeine mm-hmm. in because it's currently like quarter to eight at night. Um, so yeah, it's got roasted dandelion root in. Don't know why. Uh, cocoa nibs, as I might suggest. Uh, peppermint mm-hmm. and cocoa shells. So That's yeah. like an after eight in a mug. It is. It's really nice. And sometimes I'm not a fan. There was another bird and blend that was like mainly chocolate. And sometimes I'm not a fan of like the super chocolatey ones without any much else in because it's like a watery hot chocolate sometimes. But Mm. this one, like the flavor of the peppermint and stuff means that it's still really, really nice and refreshing and doesn't feel like I've just got a watered down hot chocolate. So yeah, really recommend that one. Amy, don't say watered down hot chocolate. Sophie from Bird of Blend, she's going to be after you. (laughs) No, I'm saying this one doesn't. And I can't remember the one that did taste a bit like that. This is going to get back to head office. I'm sure it's discontinued i'm sure it's discontinued as uh or maybe i didn't make it right i don't know but this one the peppermint hot cocoa is amazing and definitely Ooh. not like watered down hot chocolate <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget we have a special code for you buying your tea head to runningisbs.com forward slash tea to click our links to bird and blend and at the checkout enter the code tea is not bs to get yourself a free pouch of bonfire toffee tea free tea lucky things amy what you been up to i did a long run i did a long run you did a long run i did after my failed attempts last week so i did a 15 mile long run from cardiff bay to barry um and that was with ellie who i ran with a few weeks ago and both of our dogs pippin and her dog tilly who's the, the sort of twin of pippin um, I mean, I haven't ran 15 miles in a long, long time, so I, yeah. I haven't been very consistent with my long runs. I've been fairly consistent with my running, but not, not my long runs. And it didn't really give me much hope because when I was getting ready this morning, Freya was like, oh, where are you running to? I said, Barry. She's like, Barry? I said, yeah. She's like, how far is it? I'm like, 15 miles. She goes, 15 miles? She's like, are you able to do that? I'm like, Freya, <laughs> of course I can. She's like... But you're always on about how you're aching and stuff and how you're, you're, you're feeling tired. 15 miles. Yeah, but, oh, that's just, that's just normal aching. That's, that's normal. Fine. Yeah. But the, the lack of like, not like, oh yeah, go for it. You'll, you'll be great. You'll do it. She's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. I was like, thanks. You know, I think there's a thing there for normals yeah. where it's, if you were to say I'm running 15 miles, she'd be like, oh, that's quite far. Yeah. But because you've said you're running to a different town... All of a sudden, oh my god! Yeah, when she's ever been there, she's got the train or the bus or something. Yeah, yeah. And that, well, that's what it feels like to a normal person. Like you've gone to another town, to Barry, all the way yeah. to Barry Island. You should get you get a bus to get there. Yeah, yeah. But they, I, they don't get it, do they? No, they don't get it. They don't get it. But I'd, I'd like at least you know a bit of reassurance from my partner that I can do the fifteen miles and not just you won't be able to do that. You'll be getting <laughs> the train home on your own. Um, I did warn Ellie in advance that I might ditch her at about ten miles and get the. Train train home yeah. just because I hadn't run that far in a while and there's always like when you're running with someone else there's always that pressure isn't there there's always that bit of like I don't want her to feel like she's having to slow down because of me so I'm just like you know but no, actually, I, don't, I don't worry about that anymore no no I no, know that's I, shouldn't. Their problem. I shouldn't and I said to her I, I said to her like straight up this is what I say to most people I say look I have no issue like getting the train home on my own like don't worry about me if you want to carry on your long run I I can't do it like don't feel like you have to stay with me so I guess that it's up to them isn't it if they they don't listen to that. Um, yeah. 
But I didn't need to do that. It actually went really well. I had like three scoops of Tailwind, which is quite a fair bit in my bottle, which really helped. So I was like pretty like psyched up, you know. I was really off your tits enjoyed. on Tailwind. I was basically. off my tits. You know what? I swear to God, this Tailwind sponsor us. Like, please sponsor us because your your shit's quite expensive, but it's worth <laughs> it. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's like. It's just amazing. So I was like sipping on the tailwind all the way and I was feeling energized. And the only like by the end of the 15 miles, my legs were aching a bit like normal. Mm. But I was like, my, mentally, I was like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was very energetic the whole way. It was good. Wow. Uh, and Pippin was also really well behaved. I think this is the farthest she's ever run as well. I think mm, we yeah, maybe do 11 or 12 miles together. Um, but she was like... She does her gentle pulling, which I quite like. She, mm. she doesn't go full-on canny cross, like, sprinting. Yeah. She just gently pulls. She's walking very fast. And because I'm quite a slow runner, she's always walking a bit faster than me, so she's gently pulling me along. And she did that ho- the whole way, which I was really surprised at. I thought she was going to, mm. like, drop down to my heel a bit and slow down. But, yeah, there, and there was lots of puddles on the way because it rained yesterday, so they had lots. The dogs managed to get, like, loads of drinks on route, which was really nice. And yeah, she seemed to really enjoy it. I was a bit concerned. I was a bit like, oh, obviously, if if she got too tired, I wouldn't push her further. But I was really happy that um, she just just took it in her stride. And she got back to the flat and she was like running around, jumping up at the worktops. I'm like, Pippin, you just ran 15 miles. Why are you still being (laughs) a pain in the arse? Well, she strolled 15 miles. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. Like it was absolutely nothing. So um, she's asleep at the moment. But yeah, it did take her a little while to just chill out and not, you know. You you run ran a long way. Yeah. Can we not be like a complete dick at the moment, please? Um. So yeah, that's it really. Other than that, haven't really nice. been up so much. Did a long run. Was very nice. Always like that route. Always nightmare when you get into Barry. That's the the depths of despair. Yeah, not because it's yeah. Barry, but because it's it's very industrial. The first bit. Of yeah, Barry. it's two miles of industrial estate. Oh is... yeah, wouldn't you? So we... it's still the Wales coast path, so oh, it has yes, to be nice. Of course, and there's all the signs. And you're like, this doesn't seem like a coast path. But um, we, we ran round to the Nap to make it uh, to make it 15 miles and. That is really lovely around there as well. So, yeah. What about you? You did any little runs recently? Um, well, I did an ultra. Yeah. Just to make everyone look better. I'll talk about that more in a sec. Um, but this weekend, this is why this podcast is probably going to be a little bit late. Um, I organised my club's Park Runathon, something we do every year. We do 10 park run courses in a weekend. So we do the normal one at 9 o'clock on a Saturday, four more that day, basically just driving between each one, and then five more on a Sunday all around South Wales. I think it's the sixth time we've done it. Um, I didn't actually run it because I couldn't be asked. And I, I don't think I've actually, six times we've done it. I think I did it all first time and I haven't done since for various reasons, mostly just because I couldn't be bothered. Uh, the worst one was when I did the park run fine, but the whole previous week I'd had food poisoning. So I hadn't really eaten anything for about four days. Oh anything I had eaten hadn't stayed around for long. And so then I did like 2K on the next one. I was like, nope, that'll do. I can't actually really stand up anymore. So 7K out of 50 is my my personal worst. I, I think I did about 20K this weekend, which is fine. That's enough. Yeah. And I did just did dog walking other than that and sitting around. Um, I did really like how much everyone said they hated me at the end. That really cheered mm-hmm. me up. But what I enjoyed even more was the free donuts and pastries. So thank nice. you very much to Andy for, for bringing those. Mm. Always appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think people should do more of this. I know there's a, a group in Scotland I've heard of doing this. I think... They did 
think at the time there were 13 park runs in Northern Ireland. They did those over three days. That sounds like a great idea. Mm. I know uh, someone in northeast of England has done it because I've just basically just searched the word park runathon, mm. um, and other people have done it. But yeah, I think that's a nice idea. It's just a nice kind of social thing you can do. It. It's a great way, I think, for fundraising. It's a really good thing to do as well, mm. and just kind of a good bit of uh, training for people as well because. 50k is kind of ridiculous but it's split up 5k 10 times is kind of surprisingly achievable mm. there's a lot of people that we have running with us who don't run that often and all of a sudden rock up and do this and they do 50k i think most of the people we had with us this weekend did the whole 50k wow that's awesome good for them but i didn't yeah. want to <laughs> um the more important thing last week did an ultra just did another ultra because it's not really a big deal anymore though is it no nbd just everyone's done one now. Everyone's just done an ultra. It's just like, pff, whatever. Mm. I'm, I will talk about it, though, because we've got time to fill. And this is a podcast that's been created mainly to feed my ego. So that's kind of the point. So I did the Howam, which is the Heart of Wales Ultra Marathon. And that is another one from Pegasus, who we all know from our, our best guest, Reese Jenkins. Um, this one was a 30-mile one, uh, 4,500 feet of elevation, or for new people, that's 48K and 1,350 meters of elevation which is quite a lot. Mm. Um, we had an Airbnb in Llanidlois, which was less than a mile from the start line. So that was ideal. Lovely little uh, cottage. Always love a little cottage to stay in. It's what, oh, The worst thing about Airbnbs, though, is quite often any one I go to, it's nicer than my house. Oh, yeah. And you're like, what if I just change the locks? Yeah, I could just stay here. And then you go back to your house, you're like, oh, back here again. I have to clean everything. <laughs> yeah. So the course itself, first 10 miles was amazing. It's like exactly the terrain that I want to run on. It's fields and woods and paths through the forest and maybe, you know, little kind of farm tracks between the fields, but mainly off-road, open kind of hill countryside and uh, around some lakes and a massive reservoir as well. That is where I want to be. That is where I want to be doing these. And I was like skipping around, having a great time. Holly was telling me like, you're going to be tired soon. Do you want to <laughs> not run as fast? She was actually slowing me down, which is possibly the first time that's ever happened. But I was just really enjoying it because it was great. And then we got to a section where we left the trails, hit a road and it was immediately uphill. But then we got to Gravel Forest Road. Oh, God. Like fire roads. Yeah. Oh. You know I hate Gravel Forest Roads. And this was, I checked out on Strava, it's five or six miles what? of uphill gravel road. What? And like solidly uphill. Oh, sorry. There was one little section, maybe a mile or so downhill in that. So we've got a decent bit of time back. But it was just walking up this road because you couldn't run it. It was just just about too steep to run comfortably. That's so loads horrific. of people came power walking past us at that point. Actually, what I did really like, at the, right at the beginning, um, about a mile in, there was a steep path up through the woods. And because it's only a mile in, people are still like going for it. And everyone overtook us. They were like, you know, bent right down double, hands on their knees, like pushing power, 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 power up the hill. Me and Holly just like, yeah, strolling. Just like stood upright, arms swinging, like, oh, this is lovely. What a great wood this is. What a great time. Everyone's just powering past us. It's like... What are you racing for? Come on, who's racing in, a, in this kind of race? So yeah, all the way up to this top of this for, uh, forest road. And we got up to a checkpoint, which actually that checkpoint we did twice because we got there and spent a little while because that was where our drop bags were. So I ate some food, got some water, did all that kind of stuff. And then the this kind of the one of the big feature of this route is you go up to the source of the River Seven. Oh, nice. So you go right up a hill. And again, it's this is quite a nice little path as well. It's about um, a mile or so up there, maybe a bit less. 
Um, and it's just kind of a, a stone path that's been laid up along the side of the stream, which is, you know, the Severn at that point. And my plan was I wanted to get to the top of the River Severn and block it off <laughs> and make the whole river dry up. Oh, I could, I could walk like, to work then. I could walk over to Bristol. Well, no, because, well, I could, like, hold the country to ransom. <laughs> and you're like, I have blocked this river. All these ports are now useless. These boats have been beached. You must be, it didn't work out like that because, as it turns out, the source of the River Severn is just a bog. Oh. I mean, it is black up there. It's just like, it's just this black, muddy water surrounding um, a post that they've put up there that says Source of the River Seven. And I was like, oh, that's that's actually really disappointing. And there's no views because it's not the top of the hill. It's just kind of a middle mm. up there, and it's kind of flat up there, and it's just nothing really to see. So it was it was kind of underwhelming. Mm. And like everyone we got there, there's people stopping there to take um, selfies and things and photos. Obviously, because we did as well, because you have to. But there was one woman who walked up. She was wondering with a couple other people. She goes, you don't have to take selfies here, guys. There's nothing to see. They're like, yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Completely agree. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. So I enjoyed that point as well, because that was the point. That was kind of the very top, as high as we're going to go on the course. Mm. So I could stop using my poles. I enjoyed using my poles, but I was kind of bored of them by then. Because mm. they were getting in the way. So I could kind of finally tuck them into my um, waistband and then run back down this hill, back to the checkpoint to eat even more food. I say even more food. It's one of these things I always say about ultras. Oh, you just eat food all day and it's great. I actually really didn't eat that much. Mm. I had like a little bit of the lunch I had in my bag, which is like a couple of falafel wraps. And I had a couple of little bits of cake and a couple of crisps. And that's mm. kind of it, which is probably why you'll find out later I had a shit time. <laughs> um, we then had four miles of downhill, which was lots of gravel road. So that was quite good, but that's a long way to run downhill. Mm. Um, so that was that was quite hard still. Because we kind of looked at this course profile and it looked like basically 50 miles up, 50 miles down. Mm. Like, yeah, fine. Yeah, as it turns out, the second half of the race, not all down. Not all down at all. Um, we did get actually to a lovely little forest section as well. Really enjoyed that. That was a lovely part. And there was a long boardwalk, maybe half a mile or so. And that's always fun to run along. And we got to a point where my watch was telling me to go left. As it had just like a little out and back on the watch. And I kind of looked up this little hill and a path. I couldn't quite see what was there. I thought, I think the checkpoint's up this path because that's why I've got this little weird dog leg on my watch. Mm. And we were kind of standing there looking kind of both ways, not quite sure what to do. And there was a guy sitting on the bench and he was like, no, no, just carry on. Everyone else just carried on. Just, yes, keep going. Yeah, it's about a half mile away, the checkpoint. We're like, mm, okay, fine. So we did that. And a half mile away was the checkpoint. But what that line was, that was the toilets. Uh, was the guy a volunteer? I don't know. He wasn't a volunteer. I think he was just oh. someone perhaps supporting but he oh, was just I kind see. of sitting there and just like, you know, he's kind of seeing all the runners come past. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I missed the toilets and that was at 22 miles in. And at that oh. point, I could kind of do with a poo. Yeah. I've been yeah. thinking this for a while. I really could have done with going for a poo. Uh, 22 miles in, I'm like, well, just going to have to hang on to that for now. Mm. <laughs> and actually, Paul Cole, who's from my club as well, that he ran it. First ever ultra. He said the same thing. He missed that turn for the toilets and also needed a poo. Yeah. Tough times. And he, he was, the people he was running with, he was being told, oh, just go in the bush and go and do it there. He's like, now, 22 miles in, it might not be a quick job. No. I might be in there a while and I can't guarantee the results. That's too risky. No, exactly. You need paper. You need toilet paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're supposed to bury it and stuff like that. But, you know, after that much time, you might need a lot of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, for you, it's a, you know, it's a big job anyway. Half an know. hour, yeah. You'll be there. Oh, God, that would kill your race. <laughs> Um, the checkpoint was good. There was lots of food there. Problem with the checkpoint is the volunteers were too nice. Because I was trying to complain at that point, obviously. I'm kind of annoyed and pissed off by now. 
but they were just being really nice to me. Every time I complained about something, they'd be nice to me back. I'm like, no, I don't want that. Let me complain to you. And I got there and he said, oh, you guys looking really good. Oh, you're looking fresh as a daisy. I'm like, that's a lie and you know it. Don't give me that bullshit. Fucking hell, fresh as a daisy. Um, so the last eight miles, I hated it. I had a really bad time. Uh, it's just road, road, road. And like there were... We thought the second half was downhill. No, there were some long climbs Mm. to do still. Um, And again, any climb you do at 25 miles, you know, that kind of uh, distance in is going to be bad. And it was just like this long straight road. I think probably a lot of people people probably appreciated it because once they're off the trails, they're on a road, they're a bit more secure footing. For a lot of people, they probably really enjoyed that in the second half of the race. For me, no, I'd rather just be on the trails the whole way. Um, there was a little bit of trail towards the end and that was really good that was a bit of a relief around the edge of some fields a uh, real relief but then there was a little we could see ahead of us there was kind of this, a bit of a slope and I just kind of pointed out I said if we're going that way I'm going to be really pissed off <laughs> and I, like, I don't think so and then we kind of turned away from it and then we went down a field over a little uh, footbridge a little kind of wooden footbridge and we were at the bottom of that slope and it's just this steep grass slope and I stood on this bridge and just went ah. I was so unhappy and Holly's like, for God's sake, stop having a meltdown. I'm like, I don't want to go up the hill. But then we got Bonnie Tyler banging out from behind us. Someone had a little speaker on their backpack because all people started catching us up by this point while I was sulking. And they were like banging out a dance remix of Total Eclipse of the Heart, which was slightly strange. That's just what you needed, though. I mean, for like two minutes, it was quite good. But I did remember that actually when we came down from the source of the seven... I ran past her and I remember then there was some like music coming out of a backpack then. Mm. So thank fuck I wasn't running near her for the whole race. Yeah. Imagine six hours of dance remixes <laughs> from a little speaker on someone's backpack in when you're in the countryside in the middle of Wales. That would be awful. Yeah, definitely. A little bit of Bonnie, that was fine. And then she pissed off ahead of us because, you know, I was shit by then. <laughs> so we got through that little bit of trial. I got up the, up the hill. Uh, last mile or so was through the town and then a, a kind of a downhill to the finish um so yeah really kind of really good route really kind of beautiful for the most part uh, i was 632 six hours 32 altogether which is my fastest ultra but that's because it's my shortest right. uh, i've realized i looked yeah i looked at all my ultras because i realized oh you know my last two have been a bit quicker and i felt a lot better in them my four ultras proper races i've done have been 55k 52 49 and 48k mm. that's why i feel much better than the first one because it's 7k shorter yeah <laughs> Yeah, so it turns out that's why my last two ultras have felt pretty good because I haven't been out for as long. That's a top tip for ultras. Do them as short as possible. Yeah. And actually, 1,350 meters is the hilliest run I've ever done, but it kind of didn't feel like it. I did feel like shit at the end. I think that was the amount of time I'd been out. It didn't feel mega hilly for some reason. I think what I'm used to when I've done a really hilly run is because I've done big, steep slopes and Mm. big climbs up mountains. And this didn't really have that. It just had that probably most of that elevation was in that gravel road. But that was so long and we walked it. It just didn't feel like that much elevation. But it's probably five or 600 meters on its own. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. Um, the race overall had a pretty impressive 100% finish rate from 117 wow. runners. And that's quite a nice thing yeah. to, to be able tough, to advertise. For a tough course as well. Like it yeah. sounds quite tough. I mean, some people did go the wrong way, which was quite amazing. I saw one guy who did about five miles extra because he just kept going the wrong way. Oh, God. Um, we finished 49th altogether. Um, and the overall runners, those 117, were between four hours 40 and Amy's former ultra partner, 
Bernie McCarthy in 13 hours and seven minutes. She's also doing all six Pegasus events this year, and they're all in the space of six months, which is pretty cool. That's insane, but she'll she'll just be able to smash it. She's like a machine. <laughs> yeah. She's just, yeah, walking pole using machine. Yeah. Um, other favourite part of the race is fairly early on, after we did that steep slope up through the woods, uh, we came around a little corner, and about 20 runners came running towards us. We are like, oh shit, this is wrong. This is bad. But they had gone the wrong way. They'd carried on straight down a track instead of turning left into another wood. Mm. Um, so I kind of got into the middle of that pack and we ran a couple more corners. They all turned left. I looked at my watch and my watch said right. So I was like, uh, um, I, I, I think it's right here. Because, you know, 20 people go one way, but your watch says the other way. I'm like, oh shit, I, I think I'm right. So I'm like, sorry, I think it's this way. I think so. I called called them all back, but then I carried on. But the problem is, then I was at the head of a pack of about thirty runners. Oh my god! And we were going through fields, which meant I was at the front, and I had to open the gates. And that is so much pressure because they're all different as well. They're They're all all like, (laughs) you don't know if you get to a gate if it's going to be an easy one. You just flick a little thing and open it up. Or sometimes they're really stiff and heavy, or there's like a weird chain that you have to undo, or a rope over a thing. I three or four gates I had to open like so much pressure on me luckily people started overtaking me by that point so the pressure was back off but they need to standardize them standardize gates yeah so much pressure oh I've never been so stressed in a race luckily people overtook me from then so that was a very good part of that um Holly's also just called over my shoulder to remind me that we saw a sexy horse now I want to I want to kind of add to this I don't think you need to find something sexually attractive to be able to call it sexy I want to just add that. That's an important part of this. But okay. it was a very sexy... I'm pretty sure if you saw that horse, you'd probably be like, that is a sexy horse. What What about it was sexy? I believe it was a Palomino horse. Right. And I can't remember what that means. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a, a, a light tan or gold coat with a white mane. Oh, wow. That just sounds sexy. I think like if you're watching a cartoon or a film and there was a sexy horse character, then that's probably what the kind of horse it would be. Are you sure you weren't, like, hallucinating at this point? Yeah, this is the kind of shit that you talk about on Ultras, and it seems perfectly normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the, the one more thing that I really enjoyed, um, I was told the other day by Paul, uh, who ran it as well, was he was chatting to someone who, there's a part of the course, when we came through the woods before the boardwalk, at one point you're running down alongside the river, and then you have to turn left because the the river cuts in, uh, there's a stream that joins the river, so you have to go run up a couple hundred meters, cross a bridge, back down to the river, and then carry on along. So you've kind of gone out, you've done a long bit extension, and then out again. And this guy was saying, ah, well, I was clever there, because actually, there are little stepping stones in the stream, and you can just hop over that and skip out that section. <laughs> he's like, that's that's just cutting the course. Yeah, yeah. And the guy was like, ah, no, it's local knowledge. I'm like, no, no, the course was quite clearly posted on the website, and had you running to the bridge... And then back down to the river again. What you've done is cheated. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why it's like set up like that. To I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's there's lots of places in that course. I could have just cut a massive chunk off and been like, ah, local knowledge. <laughs> it's like going to London Marathon, like hopping the barrier and like skipping out Cutty Sark and saying, ah, local knowledge yeah, is actually a path <laughs> in between those two bits of road. <laughs> so that does not fly with me. No. So when you see 100% finishers, we're like, well, sort of. <laughs> some people had local knowledge <laughs> plus a few that cheated let's yeah. face it um so there we go that's that's me yet another ultra done i did have that thing again i think i said after the last one while i was in that last eight miles of just being miserable i was like am i really enjoying this mm-hmm. am i really into ultras 
So again, I think I need to have a good think about whether I do another one next year. I think I did this one basically because Holly was doing it. I thought, yeah, that'll be fun. Mm. So I think probably what I'm thinking more about at the moment next year, I haven't planned anything for next year, is like there's quite a few events around here that do ultras, but they also do 20 mile versions or marathon distances Mm. as well. I think I'll look at those instead, Mm. like really hilly 20 milers, I think is probably what I'll be more up for. Mm. Because if it's a bit shorter, I might be able to race it a little bit more mm. but also just do a lot more elevation and not just have those shitty miles where you just need to get back to yeah. the finish line i think like trail marathons trail like even half marathons yeah is, they're quite nice because unlike a road race again like an ultra you're not expected to run the whole thing necessarily oh, so yeah. it has that yeah, more yeah. relaxed feel to it but like you say the distance is going to co- completely destroy your body and soul yeah i've just seen someone um, yesterday who ran uh, from Brecon across the Brecon Beacon south, uh, right across um, some, you know, some big mountains and stuff. And that looked like a fantastic route and that kind of thing. And that was 21 miles. I think that's the kind of thing I might be more interested in. So yeah. I might try and do more big elevation, but slightly shorter races rather than ultras, I yeah. think. So there we go. And since then, weirdly, don't seem to be having any problems from it. Just can't really be asked to run. I think it's probably why I didn't do much of this park runathon this week. It's like, I could. I just don't want to. There's just no reason to. Yeah. I don't feel tired, but I'm just like, nah. perhaps I'll get into it again next week, but mm. I'm not going to push it. So there you go. That's me done for chatting for the time being. Uh, let's move on to Patreon and at I am Mattman on Twitter said, after comparing Stu's last Patreon song to Nails on a Blackboard, Amy makes the bold choice to ignore both tune and rhythm <laughs> with an OK emoji. And Clark Gilmore also chipped on Instagram just now to say Amy had redefined singing. I'm going to take that as a compliment. The second absolutely, one. you should do. Yeah, you are a pioneer. It's avant-garde, and I'm afraid yeah. you philistines wouldn't understand it. No, they just don't get it, do they? You just don't get it. Have you ever been to a contemporary art museum? You know, like that is my singing in auditory form. You just wouldn't mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, uh, I went to a modern art museum once, and I hated the whole fucking thing. At one point, I was <laughs> I was been a dickhead, and there was a fire extinguisher on the wall next to the door, and I was standing there going, "Oh, this is so interesting." And my ex was like, "Come on, stop it, stop it!" I was like, what? I just look at the the bold use of red is just. She's like, "Stop it!" I wasn't allowed back, so I was happy about that. If you want to support this bullshit, please go to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit or on our website and donate £2 a month or whatever if you want. Well, as we've all just enjoyed Eurovision and the UK's bizarre success, we thought it'd be a good idea to give you a Eurovision themed Patreon song. We didn't do it, but we just thought it would be really good. <laughs> Never mind. I've got to say, I don't think I went full genders this week, but I did go quite genders this week in that doing this song took me an hour <laughs> and more than half of that was on a song that I abandoned because it was so yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. And were you raging at the same time? Were you really angry? Yeah, because I mostly because of how bad I was. That's kind of where most of my rage was because I tried to be clever and I tried to do something good and it was really bad. And I spent ages doing it and I couldn't. Yeah. And so I just had to give up and find something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's me. I mean, at least I give up and I don't give the shit one in as the final <laughs> piece. <laughs> Anyway, here's the people we like at the moment. Bernadette McCarthy, Cassie Jones, Max McCarty. Ian Thompson, Kath Everard, Claudine, Gail Seal, AP. David Sinclair, Julia Page, 
Ruth KP. Stuart Stevens Paul, Hibbert Elizabeth Chaban, Liz Reese. Shambolic Adult Amanda E. Hernandez, Brian Simpson, Matt Lease. Angela Foster Swales, Elliot Lyme, Victoria Magnus, Rachel Bentley. Carl Fleming, Simon Grimshaw, Jason Spanks, Sophie Jakes, Len Martin, Sam Wally, Rich Skirm, Victoria Matjazioski, Drew Edwards, Kale Ryder, Debbie Hurley, Colin Hill, Hugh Phillips, Ian Hales, Tim Hughes, Calray, Henley Simpson, Gabby Thomas, Nair, Clark Gilmore, Matt Newbury, David Irwin, Matt Caffin, Maria Wicks, Anthony Howe, Matt Jones, Jay Charlie, Neverson, Nick Genders, Amanda Murray Hines, Andy Robbins, Katrin Fenton, Gordy Thelwell. And I'm really sorry, there's just like so many of you bastards. I had to include the instrumental break in this, so we have to sit through this. I'll do some more names in a sec. It's over soon, don't worry. Martin Kaplan, Neil Denton, Jonathan Carter, Matt Gunner, Greg Collins, A. Ivor Hewitt, Sherry Grubstable, Matthew Orr, James Lampert, Karen Hamilton. And on to our messages. So don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Running Is BS and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. Now, a Twitter account has popped up called Marathon Miners. And it's got the bio, in a world full of running majors, run a minor. Supporting local races in 2022. Complete all six and enter the Miners Hall of Fame. I don't know how serious a thing this is yet. But I do love the idea of a mirror to the so-called major marathons. Perhaps we'll have to get in touch with them and see if this is mm. like an actual thing or just mm. a bit of a joke. Anyway, um, the six minor marathons from their pinned tweet are in the place of Tokyo, Tenby. Oh. What can replace Boston except good old Boston? Mm. That's in Lincolnshire. Heading to Scotland instead of London with Loch Ness. Berlin Steins replaced with Blackpool Rock. Chicago, Cleethorpes. <laughs> and NY, more like MK. I love it. That is so good. I, that's I like a much idea. better idea. Yeah, yeah. I Little, like small, well, fairly small races, honest races. Yeah. None of this bullshit major stuff. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I think that's a really good idea. I, I hope it is real. If it's not, if it is a joke, I think you should make it real and then offer like a medal for everyone, you know, a bespoke yeah. medal for everyone who does all of them. And But a really cheap know. shit one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the problem? You could end up going too far and then you spend it. <laughs> Charging people yeah. £100 for the, the miners' medal. Yeah, a bit of uh, tinfoil and a shoelace will be absolutely fine. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, you worry you could go too far and they'll be like, ah, it's such a small grassroots thing and then it grows and grows and actually becomes a massive thing. And mm-hmm. oh no, we created something successful, damn it. Now we're the majors. We have become the thing yeah. we despised. Just like us, I think. <laughs> Greg Collins at iBike Heathfield says, you know what's bullshit? Multiple aphids in your eyes is bullshit. Yeah, it is. 
God. Are they the little, are they like the little gnat things? Well, no, I, aphids, like, they kind of, I, I, don't you see them like flowers and things? We but get like, them... aphids are like a couple of millimetres. You don't want yeah. them in your eye. I was going to say, like, we get them on our house plants sometimes. You have to spray yeah. them with, um, we have to, you know, it's a good, a good tip, Greg. Just spray your eyes with yeah. washing up liquid and water and it will get rid of them. <laughs> They'll fall straight off. Yeah, flush them straight out. Yeah, yeah. But like, they're quite big to get in your eyes, aren't they? Are you sure it's not gnats, Greg? Because there's a lot of like little aphids. gnat things around at the moment. Are they aphids? I don't know. Aphids, gross. Yeah. At Shambolic Adult says, dropping a black iPhone. Oh, sorry. I assumed it was an iPhone. <laughs> Steve Jobs, get out of my head. <laughs> right. At Shambolic Adult says, dropping a black phone in a mile long, barely lit tunnel, not noticing for ages and having to go back and search for it in the dark against the flow of an oncoming race and ending up doing a 15 mile half marathon <laughs> is bullshit. That sounds like a terrible dream. <laughs> that is a horrible dream. You're just proving your Twitter handle, Shambolic Adult, so well. Oh, that's an anxiety dream. That's the That is awful. Dream. Against the flow of the run oh, as well. And we'll probably. Did, what happened though? Did you find it? Had somebody stepped on it? Like, oh, I mean, presumably, otherwise, I don't think we'd have got the tweet. No, no. they'd still be there That's... now. But the tunnel was a mile long, and you did fifteen miles instead of a half. So you must have gone all the way back to the beginning, and then oh. So bad, so bad. Um, also, Catherine Fenton on Twitter was telling us how she'd entered the Pegasus Ridgeway Ultra and then listened to me bitching about it on episode 71, which is as far as she's got, and she's now worried. She had to defer another ultra place due to getting a hockey ball to the top of the foot, which has caused bruising on her soul. Oh. That's hot war. That's horrible. Uh, just to say. Uh, sorry, the soul of her foot, not oh. like her immortal soul, as far say. as I know. <laughs> I am. I think that's the one I'm doing. Is that the rhythm? Yes. Yes, I'm doing that. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. You'll all be fine. We'll be fine. Don't worry. It's just thirty miles. It's don't. It'll be fine. Don't worry. I forgot you were doing that one. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Beginning of September, isn't it? So I don't know. Probably. Yeah, probably. I think somebody posted about it on social media the other day and said, "Oh, only X number of weeks until the rhythm." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? Oh, Surely not. Surely not." You've uh, just done 50 miles. You'll be fine. Oh, this is the start of my taper now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> a hockey ball to the top of the foot. I can't say I've got a hockey ball there, but like when you accidentally like kick up a stone or something, which lands squarely on the top of your foot, that's yeah. bad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. We've also got a shout out to Phil Patterson of the Mile You're In podcast, all the way from Florida, who dedicated a whole episode to the things he hates about running, which is about the best way to hear about someone ripping you off. Yeah. Love it. Our lawyers will be in touch, as you say, in the US. <laughs> anyway, it is a good episode and it'll be linked on our website. But Phil, if you keep this up, we'll be coming for you and gnats on your runs will be the least of your worries. Yeah, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on you. Mm. It's the posted running news. Boom. Oh, Amy, this is a big story, isn't it? Oh, it's a big one. Another one of these ones that so many people have sent to us. Oh, it, it, this this is going to be a Netflix series, Netflix original oh, documentary. You know what? Honestly, sure. it could be. Twists yeah. and turns. Right, go yeah. on, tell us about it. Well, so this is, of course, the story that's been all over social media um, about the controversy surrounding a six-year-old boy who has run the Flying Pig Marathon in Ohio. So the controversy is around the six-year-old boy running a marathon. 
So the boy, Rainer Crawford, ran with his parents and five siblings, including his 11-year-old sister. So it's not just, not just him. Um, so, of course, his parents have been accused of being irresponsible and abusive on, on social media and faced backlash for bribing their son to keep moving when he was struggling. So um, they post on their Instagram a picture of him with some Pringles and they describe how he was struggling through the race. So um, the Instagram caption, uh, part of the Instagram caption reads that he was struggling physically and wanted to take a break and sit every three minutes. After seven hours, we finally got to mile 20, which, let me just, as an aside, seven hours to get to mile 20, you can just tell how much he's struggling. That's a long time yeah. for a six-year-old to be on his feet, no matter how far you're going. That's a lot. Yeah. Not only the distance, but to be on your feet for seven hours. Um, so they got to mile 20, only to find an abandoned table and empty boxes at the aid station. He was crying and we were moving so slow. I told him I'd buy him two sleeves of Pringles if he kept moving. <laughs> Standard. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Um... And of course, it's not just the parents, it's also the race organisers who've faced criticism for letting under-18s enter. In response, the race organisers posted an open letter stating that this decision was not made lightly because the father was determined to do the race with his young child regardless. (laughs) They had done it as bandits in prior years before we had any knowledge and knew he was likely to do so again. The intent was to try to offer protection support if they were on the course, i.e. medical fluids and replenishment. What? That's not a reason for letting someone do something. No, and surely, like, surely the laws and stuff in the... Surely this, this, I don't know, this doesn't seem right. This seems like a huge issue. (laughs) With so much, we always talk about America being, having so much litigation. Yeah. Like, these people are breaking our rules and we'll do so again, so we'll just let them. Yeah. We'll just waive those rules for them because they're going to break them anyway. I feel... That's not how rules work. Yeah, and I feel like if something happened to the child, then the family could sue the race and, you know, like, I feel like they were opening themselves up for a whole load of issues there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the race organisers are clearly mental but of course on social media the main thing has been around should a should a six-year-old run a marathon and obviously most people are saying no um it's quite interesting following if you just look up this 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 story you'll find the links to the family's social media and it's you know instagram and they have posts on instagram since that child protection services has been around twice um to speak to the boy and interview him um so it's all of course they're always presenting it like you know, nothing bad has happened and we're in mm. the right and all of that. Um, so it's it's not really clear what's going on in that respect. The, the child yeah. is still with them. But yeah, there's been a lot of talk on social media around this. Yeah, it's really interesting as well. After the last episode where, you know, I watched the film about a four-year-old running ultras and whether that was abusive. And this is a pretty similar situation. I know he's six. I don't know. I, I know I've seen a lot of people, yeah, they immediately just say that's abusive. That kid should be taken away from them, whatever. But I don't, I'm not sure because I don't have children. I don't know, you know, I don't think six-year-olds probably shouldn't be doing marathons, but, you know, some probably can. Obviously not every day and not at two massive extremes. But, you know, if you look at the, you know, people's varying abilities, some are probably capable of it. But again, whether they should be allowed to in a race just seems really doubtful. So my personal opinion from reading all this and looking through their social media and stuff, I don't think the boy should be taken away from the family. I think that would do a yeah. lot more damage than good. He's obviously, he seems to be loved. 
um, and the family seem to be doing what they think is best. I think it's a case of education about mm. what damage could be caused to a child that young, potentially through doing a marathon. Like a marathon mm. can damage lots of people's bodies. And it's just the race organizers should have more power to pull people from races, you know? Like you can't just yeah. hold your hands up and say, like, if he banded it, banded it, bandit it i can't even say it bandit it if the family banded it before you know you ban them you ban them and you don't you don't it, let them run surely there must be something like um you know like we have in the uk like an asbo that they're not allowed within that sort of area when yeah. the race starts and just stop them that way i don't i don't know why something like that hasn't happened so i think it's a combination of things i think the family just need more education around this because uh, they're they're all very much into endurance events and stuff like that, but yeah. I think they're seeing it as I don't know. They're not really thinking of the science behind how how these sort of sort of events could affect yeah. a very young child. You know? Yeah, because apparently he did beg them. He absolutely begged them to take part because he wanted to do it as well. But mm. a six year old can't know no. how hard a marathon is. No, no. And yeah, he might have been people. There was a lot of people that were saying like. The kid was crying throughout the whole race. But then the family replied saying, well, you only saw him at these two points. Mm. You don't know he was crying all the way between and he wasn't. And, you know, kids do do that thing of desperately wanting to do something. And as soon as you give it to them, they don't want it, mm. which might have been the case. Because children are dickheads. They don't understand, mm. you know, a seven hour, eight hour race. They don't understand how hard that's going to be. Mm. I mean, we said they got to mile 20 in seven hours. But I saw they finished in 8.35. So that's a hell of a last six miles. Yeah. Pulling out that last kind of 10K in an hour and a half after doing 20 miles in seven hours. That's, I don't know. Is that is that good for them? Is that good that the kid ran that quick or should have gone slower? I don't know. You you, you do need to know the kid and his abilities a bit, yeah. I think. I, I just think six is like very, very young. Oh, yeah. That's very it's just, young. It's just messy, this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think that the, the child should be taken away. I don't think that's the right answer. But they just there just needs to be more education and the races need to take some sort of firmer stance, you know? Yeah, the the race organisers need some balls. That is, yeah. that is awful response from them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this one we've included mostly for the headline, frankly. Uh, it's a great one from Wales Online. It says... Dad loses chunks of feet running six marathons in six days through 50 degree desert heat to prove he was a better runner than his wife. Love it. (laughs) Simon McGuerta ran the marathon disciple for the Jack Price project in the memory of an 18 year old who lost his life. And because of a general midlife crisis. I love that. I love how it's like, he's done it for like <laughs> a really... because of that. He's done like a really, for a really worthy cause, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then he's just like, oh, and also I was having a midlife, mid-life yeah. crisis as well. Like, okay. Also, I'm a bit old and sad. Yeah. <laughs> Simon told Wales Online, I've never done anything like it before, but a few things were niggling at me. A general midlife crisis and a poster in our house. <laughs> which suggested my wife was a better runner than me. I want to know what this poster is. Is it just a poster of her, like a thumbs up saying I'm better than you? Like, what? Someone suggested his wife is a better runner. You're like, you know what? I'm going to run around the hardest, the most dangerous races in the world to prove that. Yeah. Calm down, Simon. Bloody hell. So in his account of the race, you get the, the normal stuff. It's really hot and hard and everything. But you start to realize he made a few rookie errors. He says, at one point, I got excited by a sandstorm coming, as I'd never been in one. (laughs) (laughs) 
oh, I just find this so funny for some reason. Um, but within seconds, my visibility went from two kilometers to one meter. I suddenly realized I hadn't learned how to use a compass since school. <laughs> you don't go to a race like that and not know how to use a compass. I've never seen a cartoon set in a desert because there is always a sandstorm and it is always bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, great, a sandstorm. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, this would be fantastic. Let me get my compass out. Oh, wait, I can't remember. I don't know how to read <laughs> oh, it. Oh, no, I forgot how to use it. Oh, no. God. <laughs> Um, there's also the bit about his feet is kind of glossed over perhaps Wells Online weren't that interested he says on stage four I was pacing well for 30 miles before the wheels came off it was utterly debilitating and I needed a trip to the doctors to get my feet fixed the next day as a result chunks of foot got sliced off and I needed sorry for anyone um, listening to this now I apologise for this phrase I needed iodine injected deep into my feet Oh, so many people have just gone. Ugh. Like that's not normal blisters. You can't just go like into no things should not be put deep into your feet. No. Oh, what, oh. what medically happened? You know, oh. he just says the wheels came off. Like, do you mean literally? Did you actually? I, I think feet I think you off? mean his toes came off. Oh my God. Chunks of his foot, and, and the- he had to have an injection. It oh. Like that that's not normal blisters like what you can't just gloss over that like what happened i'm, I'm imagining so many people running now just like flapping their arms and going <laughs> just like just like walking really delicately all of a sudden because their feet suddenly hurt oh god oh simon and he's got to go home after all that and look at that poster of his wife that says and be like fuck you poster tear that down i want to know what this poster is like there's so many things that need to be explained in this story like what is this poster how does it suggest she's a better runner than him i want his wife to go and do it next year and do it quicker yeah win it <laughs> just to show him yeah. <laughs> imagine being that petty oh, and she'd be like i didn't need chunks of my feet sliced off you just being a wimp <laughs> goodness sake bloody man <laughs> uh, anyway what have you got coming up next um, next couple of weeks, I've got a two-mile race, which is part of the summer series I'm doing a bit of. Uh, first time in six years, I'll have done a two-mile race. So that'll be very interesting to see what on earth that is. No idea. Uh, maybe another orienteering race. There's another couple, one of those coming up, so I might give that a go. And I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't think I have. Nina Nosebug and I will be doing a backyard ultra in October, sort of. Right. Uh, it's a backyard ultra where there's a 4.167-mile lap you do every hour on the hour until someone fails or dies. Uh, but in this case, they're only doing it for 12 hours, which, to be honest, I respect because they've mm. probably got jobs to go to on Monday morning and think uh, if people are here for three days, we haven't got the equipment for that long because we need to return, you know, this the shit. Yeah. So it's a 12 hour one, which I think is enough because that's mm. over 48 miles if I get to the end. Oh I God, think that's yeah. plenty. All I need at the moment is someone to drive us there, uh, feed us pot noodles and drive us home because mm. it's in... West Wales, about two hours away, and I do not want to camp. Anyone up for that? <laughs> if anyone wants a shit day of driving me to Narbeth, uh, giving me food and hanging around for 12 hours and then driving me home, please let me know. Yeah. I'll pay for your cake. <laughs> Anything for you, Amy? No. Okay. <laughs> Though, next month, I might have convinced you to do one of the orienteering races. Yes, yes. Um... I think I, I look forward to that to see our varying levels of competitiveness. <laughs> I'm not competitive at all. Yeah. Like yeah, at all. Funny. So I'll just be like, and the more competitive somebody gets, I almost 
do the opposite of whatever competitive is. Like I get less and less competitive, even though I'm not competitive in the first place. And I become yeah. aggressively non-competitive. You know? <laughs> the point where I will just come to a stop and let everyone else win. That is a good contrast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we do shit like this. Yes. If you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, merch store, and social medias. See you later, alligator. Thank you. Bye. <gasps> Have a nice day. Don't fail. Fuck off and get out of my business.